Praise the Lord. This morning we have joined with the angels and joined in their chorus in singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, that Isaiah uh, received a vision from the Lord of the throne room of God. And in his vision, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Can you say amen? <laughs> the Lord is above all, is more powerful than all. He's in a class all by, him, by himself. Not only is he high, but he's lifted up in relationship to all of the things. There's no one like Yahweh God. And so he's lifted up. And the, in the vision, the, the scripture says that the angels are uh, in the throne room of God, flying around the throne of the Lord, and they're singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, why are they singing it? Why are we singing it? Because it's truth. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. This morning, he is worthy of our worship. I want to thank you for entering into the presence of God through praise and worship that he is worthy of. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to Joshua chapter number 1. As we'll be looking at, this morning, I want to begin a brand new series of messages entitled Claiming Canaan. Claiming Canaan is what we're going to uh, be talking about and Lord willing we're just going to spend some time here in Joshua chapter number one now how long I don't know that depends on the Lord I want you to know that as your pastor uh, I want to be spirit led in all that I do and so when God says go I want to go when God says stay I want to stay and when God says that we need something different I want to go somewhere different but until then uh, we're going to stay in Joshua chapter uh, number one, and so forth throughout the book of Joshua. So I ask that you be praying for me. I ask that you would uh, always pray for your pastor. Let me tell you why I say that, because how many of you believe this morning that Holy Spirit knows what I need better than I know what I need? And Holy Spirit knows what you need better than you know what you need. He knows what we need. I don't know what we need. I'm just a mere man. I'm, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm relying upon the Lord to give me what I need. And so I'm praying that God the Holy Spirit leads, guides, and directs and allows me to preach His message His way by His power. And I'm asking that you, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, as the people of God, that you would pray that God gives me unction to do just that. That's what Paul said to the Ephesian church. He said, you pray that God gives me unction to make known the mystery of the gospel. And that's my prayer, that, that I'm asking for you to pray for me, that God would give me unction by his power to preach his truth. That's what we need, what God says, what God wants, because he knows what we need better than we ourselves know. So pray for your pastor. I desire your prayers in this new year. What do I mean when I say claiming Canaan? How do we claim Canaan? Why do we need to claim Canaan? How do we go from being wilderness wanderers to claim Canaan conquerors? Because that's what we see right here in Joshua chapter 1. We see a ragtag bunch of slaves that came from Egypt, brought through the wilderness to the banks of the Jordan River, and we see them cross over into the victory that God has given. We see them possess the land that God has promised. That's the story of Canaan land, really in a nutshell. We'll go deeper into this as we go. But what do I mean when I say that? Well, for us, listen, this applies to the blood-bought, born-again New Testament Christian today because I want you to know Canaan land represents the victory that we've been given by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that we have victory this morning, say amen. <laughs> One of my favorite old hymn songs is Victory in Jesus. I love that song because it's so true. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians, 
Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know, victory was purchased for the child of God at the moment Jesus shed his blood at Calvary. It's already been bought. It's already been paid for. And for those who have trusted in Christ as Savior and been born again into God's family, we now can and should claim the victory that Jesus purchased for us. Now here's the problem. The problem is I fear many times in my own life and in the lives of others, we are not walking in the victory that's been bought for us and the victory that's been given to us by who Jesus is and what he's done on our behalf. We're still struggling with the same old struggles. We're still being tempted by the same old temptations and falling to those temptations. We're not walking in a way that God is pleased with. We struggle to love like we ought to love and we struggle to have peace like we ought to have peace and we struggle to have joy like we ought to have joy as the people of God. That's simply because, listen, we're not walking in the victory that's already been given. So how do we claim Canaan? I feel if we can look at how the people of God in Joshua's day in the Old Testament, how these people of faith claimed Canaan and walked in victory, victory, then we can then see in our own lives how we too can walk in the victory that God has given. After all, the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians that uh, all these things that happened to these people, the nation of Israel, is an example for us, 1 Corinthians 10 11. So we can take their example and learn what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Amen? That's what I want to do through the book of Joshua. So let's look there in Joshua chapter number 1. And I'm going to read for you these first eight verses. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, at that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Somebody say amen right there. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Do you see that? God says, don't just take the parts of my law, my word, that you like and apply them to your life. Take all of my word and apply it to your life. I know all of it's good. And he said, we ought to observe to do all of it. That which is popular and that which is not popular. Very important. Observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or the left, and thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Let me ask you something. How many want to prosper in 2020? In your individual lives, how many want to prosper? In your marriage, how many want to prosper? In your parenting, how many want to prosper? Collectively, as a church body, Mount Zion, let me ask you something. Do you want to prosper in 2020? Do you want to see your church grow? 
Do you want to see it making a difference in your community, uh, community across the street and around the world? If that's true for you, and I hope it is, then we need to take heed to what God's Word says. He said, I'll tell you how to prosper. You've got to do it my way. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, if you're going to get God's blessing, you've got to do it God's way. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thy way be prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the promise in your word. Thank you, Lord, for your truth that we know is real and relevant. Thank you, Lord, that you have done for us what we couldn't do. And I'm thankful this morning that I know you've been with me in my preparation. Thank you for that, Lord. And I'm asking now that you be with me in this presentation, that you would speak to me, speak through me, use me, Lord Jesus, for your honor and your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, the first thing that I want to do this morning, I want to give you three truths about Canaan that um, will apply to us as New Testament Bible-believing born-again Christians. And then we're going to get into the text, and I'll show you four more things very quickly. First of all, I want you to know, Canaan for the New Testament Christian, Christian it, it, it speaks of the freedom that we have in Christ. Let me tell you why I say that. How many of you know that the nation of Israel came from Egypt? And while in Egypt, the Bible says they were in slavery. They began praying to God and asking that God would do what only God could do, which was deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh and God sent his man Moses and as Moses came and by the power of God and the blood of the lamb the nation of Israel walked out of the bondage that they were in in Egypt and so listen God is bringing them out of Egypt so that he might bring them into Canaan somebody say he brought them out so he might bring them in <laughs> Now listen, not, not, that's not only true for the nation of Israel, but that's also true for you and I. How many know he brought us out so that he might bring us in? And you say, Roger, what do you mean? I've never been a slave. Well, I beg to differ. The Bible says in John chapter number 8 that all of us were once slaves to sin. Jesus said that we were slaves to sin, and the, but then those who trust in Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is what? Free indeed, John 8, 36. And so listen to me. Just like they, by the power of God and the blood of the Lamb, were brought out, of, brought out of their bondage, we too have been brought out of our bondage, the bondage to sin, by the power of God and the blood of the Lamb. Can you say amen to that? I don't know about you, but that's something I'm thankful for. How many of you know I no longer have to jump when the devil says how high? I now have freedom to live in a way that's pleasing unto God. A man who don't know Jesus, a man who's never truly been changed, has no power over sin. Like we said this morning in Sunday school, I love our Sunday school class. Man, what a blessing it is. If you're missing out on that, you're missing out. I can promise you, but we was in there this morning, and that's one thing we talked about. Listen to me, folks. A lost man can only do what a lost man does because he lacks power to live in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. When I was living out in the world doing the things that, that pleased myself, my own fleshly, natural, sinful desire, when I was doing things that the world said I should be doing, that the enemy tempted me with, when I was out there living like the world lives, I thought I was really living it up. I thought, man, I do what I want to do when I want to do it. I thought I really had freedom. Folks, I didn't have no freedom. All I could do was live a life of a sinner. That's all I was, just a sinner. 
But now by the power of God, He's forgiven me of my sin. By the blood of the Lamb, I've been washed clean. And sin no longer has power over me. And let me tell you something, child of God, it no longer has power over you. Satan no longer has power over you, child of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So Canaan land speaks of freedom. But let me tell you something else. Canaan land also speaks of fullness. <laughs> when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, like I said before, they came out as slaves. And they had to rely completely upon the power of God to get them through their wilderness journey. The Bible says that God rained down manna from heaven. Manna is white bread. <laughs> manna, bread from heaven, is what sustained them through the wilderness journey that took 40 years. Now let me say something to you. That manna was meant to sustain. It was never meant to satisfy. Are you hearing me? And there came a time when they said, Lord, we love, or told, they spoke to Moses, they said, we loathe this white bread. Let me tell you why that is. Now, I, I, can, I can see where they're coming from. I, I don't agree with them not being thankful for what God had provided, but I certainly see their mindset. I'm sure that if it was bread that rained down from heaven, that's the best bread you ever put in your mouth. I'm sure that was the best bread that they could have ever gotten a hold of. But if you have that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 40 years, you might get tired of it too. <laughs> Amen? I don't know about you, but I've got some favorite foods I love. I, I don't really have just one specific favorite food. I got a lot of food. I don't know. I'm a food junkie. I love food. So I, I got a lot of things. I love good cheeseburgers. Anybody else love good cheeseburgers? Amen. I love a good uh, ribeye steak. Anybody like a good steak? Yeah. What about chocolate and biscuits? Anybody like chocolate and biscuits? Praise God. I like all those things too. But I want to tell you something. If I had a cheeseburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 40 years, I'd probably get tired of cheeseburgers. You say, brothers, when it got you by, and it would get me by. And listen, that, that uh, manna from heaven got those people by. It sustained them through their journey, but it wasn't meant to satisfy. Now, let's move on to the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan was called the land that flowed with milk and honey. It was the land of rolling hills and vineyards and wine presses. And listen, uh, it had uh, uh, bread and milk and oil and all the things that would bring fullness into their life. It was the land of plenty. They had been living in the wilderness, but now they were on their way to Canaan land. They had been living in a land that, listen, sustained them, but they were on a land to, that would satisfy them. Are you getting my point? Are you getting the picture? Now, what does that mean for me and you as New Testament Bible-believing born-again Christians? Well, Jesus said it like this. John chapter 10 and verse number 10, listen to me. Don't miss this. He said, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundant. Canaan land represents the abundant life that Jesus has promised to all who believe. The abundant life that Jesus has purchased for all who believes. Can you say amen? Now let me ask you something. Are you living in Canaan land? Are you living in the place of victory? The land of fullness and freedom? Because that's what Jesus purchased for you. And if you're a child of God and you ain't entered into Canaan land, this message is for you this morning. This message is certainly for me. I want to live in the place of victory. I want to live in the land of fullness. 
Not only is it a land of freedom and a land of fullness, but listen, it's also a land of fruition. Canaan land was promised to the nation of Israel all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. When God called Abraham out of his father's land, he said, I'm going to bring you to a new land. And so when God made that promise then, from then all the way through the time of Moses now to Joshua, when they enter into Canaan land, it's a fruition of the promise of God to his people. Canaan land is a land of freedom. I'm thankful this morning I have freedom in Jesus. I've been set free, and whom the Son sets free is truly free indeed. Canaan land is a land of fullness. It represents the abundant life we can all walk in and have as the children of God. Oh, and if there's one thing we need today, it's abundant life. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see it a whole lot. I'm talking about that abundant life that is pouring through someone into the lives of others. I was talking again in Sunday school this morning about people that you can get around and God's working on them and God's working in them and God's working through them and how refreshing it is to be around folks like that and hear what they have to say. Just as that life pours from them into you. What a blessing that is. We need more of that. I've told you before, there's a lot of Christians sitting on church pews every Sunday looks like they've been baptized in pickle juice. They sit back there with their arms folded and say, bless me, preacher, if you can. I don't think you can do it. Listen to me. God has saved you to walk in the abundant life and the fullness that Christ has purchased for you. If you're not there, you can be. Canaan land is the fruition of God's promise where what God says we can trust in. He keeps his promises. Let's get to the text. Joshua chapter number 1. Let's look first of all right here at the first three verses. Joshua 1, verse number 1. Watch. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I give, I do give to them, even to the children of of Israel. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in Joshua 1 verses 1 two, through 2 is the purpose of God's people. Let, let me ask, just, just uh, within, your, within your own mind, within your own hearts, answer this question for you. What do you think God's purpose is for His people? If you look all the way back from uh, when God called out Abraham as the father of the faith, from that moment until now and, and throughout the future, what is God's purpose? I'll tell you what I believe it is. I believe God's purpose for His people is to walk in victory. Canaan land is the land of victory. It's the place of victory. And God had always promised His people Canaan land. Amen. Now, we certainly know that all of that as an example in the Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ and now we have victory in Him if you placed your trust in Him. We'll get into that more as we go along. But I'm just saying, I believe it's always been God's purpose to bring victory to His people. For that, that's true for me as a child of God. That's certainly true for you as a child of God. 
that victory that God had promised to the nation of Israel was fulfilled in the life and ministry of Joshua. It was God's purpose all along to bring them to the land of victory, to the land of blessing, to the land of fullness. Just like God certainly wants to bring, uh, listen to me folks, uh, victory to our lives, fullness to our lives. God's purpose for His people is victory. That's point number one. Point number two, and I don't want you to see the purpose of God's people, but I also want you to see the possession of God's people. Let's look at verses three and four. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. So what God says to Joshua, he says, look, this purpose that I have continued from Abraham all the way through Moses and now is going to be made real in you, Joshua. Listen to me. That continued purpose is all about God's possession for his people, his people's possession, this land that Joshua's now bringing them into. It's the land of victory. And he says right there in verse number 4, From the wilderness of Lebanon, even to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Look at verse 3. Watch this. He makes description here. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Everybody say given. Now I bring that out because I want you to know what God's word does say and what it doesn't say. God's word does say that this is the land I have given you. It doesn't say this is the land that I give you. That would be in the present tense. It doesn't say this is the land that I will give to you. That would be in future tense. It says this is the land that I have given unto you. See, this is a done deal. God has already said this land is yours. I've already given you the victory. It's not something you've got to work for. Listen, this is not something that you're necessarily going to do. I'm going to do it for you, with you, through you. Amen. This is something I've already done. I've already given victory. Now all I'm asking you to do is go in and possess the land that I've given. Listen, Joshua chapter number 1 and really the whole book of Joshua is not about the people gaining victory. It's about the people getting possession of the victory they have. Are you getting me? It's not about the people gaining the land by their power, but it is about them gaining possession of the land God's get, God given them by His power, by His work. Which brings me back to how that applies to me and you. Victory was purchased for you at the cross, child of God. But how many of you know, even though victory was given to us, purchased by Jesus, Many of us, myself included, from time to time, we don't walk in the victory that's been given. Why? We hadn't possessed it yet. We hadn't laid hold of it yet. Just like these people on uh, the, 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 uh, the, the other side of the Jordan, the wilderness side of Jordan, they hadn't laid possession of the land God had given, the land of victory. We hadn't laid possession of victory in our lives. Heard a story one time about a little boy. His mama lived in London, England, and she wanted him to come to America. 
but she was very poor. And she, so she saved for months on end to buy him a ticket on an ocean liner. She saved up all the money she had, gave it to her young son, sent him to America. But when he got on the, on the, on the boat, all he had money for was a ticket. That was it. And he didn't have money to eat on. And so uh, he brought cheese and crackers and just anything that he could keep while with him on the journey to eat. That's what he ate. And about a, a week before he gets to America, he had been riding on the boat a long time now. Somebody saw him eating cheese and crackers by himself over in a corner. And they said, son, what are you doing? Are you not going to eat your meal? And he said, what meal? He said, this meal has already been purchased for you. All you've got to do is receive it. Now listen to me, folks. I want you to know that all the goodness, all the fullness of God has been given to us as his people, but we must lay hold of it. A lot of us are eating cheese and crackers when we could be dining on a steak. A lot of us are just getting by being sustained in the wilderness instead of being satisfied in Canaan. We're still struggling with the same old struggles. We're still falling to the same old temptations simply because we're not laying hold and possessing the victory. This is the picture. Do you know you can have something without possessing it? You can. Many of you I've got books at home sitting on your bookshelf that you've never read. I've got books in my office. I had a lady ask me one time. She's come in. I don't know if she was really operating in the right spirit. Kind of had a bad attitude about it. She said, Preacher, have you read all them books? I said, No, ma'am, I hadn't. I said, I've read some probably of all those books. But I've not read all of all those books. And uh, the truth is, those books are mine. But I hadn't possessed them because I ain't read them. And it, it ain't been made real to me. Are you getting what I'm saying? And the same is true a, a lot of times in our Christian walk. The victory is ours, but it's not been made real to us. We're still wandering in the wilderness instead of living in Canaan. You need to see the purpose of God's people, the possession of God's people. That's true. But now listen to me, folks. You also need to see the power that's with God's people. Watch this. He says in verse number, four, or number five, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Now how is it that nobody is going to be able to stand before this ragtag bunch of slaves that spent 40 years just getting by in the wilderness. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why. Because God's with them. And when a man has bowed low before God, he can stand tall before any man. This is what we got to get a hold of today. No one can come against God's people without God's knowledge of it and without God's help through it. Are you getting me? How is it that nobody can stand before them because nobody's as big as God? How many know nobody is as big as our God? Nobody has the power our God has. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
The Bible says uh, that He is Alpha and Omega. We sang about that this morning. Do you realize the God we worship, the Jesus who has saved us, is called in God's precious word the beginning and the end. Before anything was, He was. When everything is finished, He will still be. He's the beginning. He's the end. He stood on nothing and created everything. This same God laid down on a cross, took spikes through His wrist and through His feet and died for you and died for me. No man has the power to stand before the child of God that's relinquished their will to God's will, given their life into His hands. Keep trusting the Lord. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your life, in your marriage, at your workplace, with your health. I can promise you this. God's with you. And he's big enough to, to meet your need and fix your problem. I, I don't know what the enemy's lied to you about. But God's big enough to meet your need and fix your problem. By God's power, you can overcome the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37 that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're Canaan conquerors. We're not wilderness wanderers. Listen, we can and we should be living victorious lives if you have the power of God in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to live in a way that's unpleasing to the Lord. You can Walk in victory. You need to see the purpose of God's people. You need to see the possession of God's people. You need to see the power that's with God's people. But let me look at this. Look in verse number 6. Let's look at the promise to God's people. Watch. Verse 6 says, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. God said, I'm going to make good on my promise. See, what, what we got to start doing is getting a hold of the promises of God and start claiming them. That, that's what it really means to claim Canaan. A great pastor once said that there's going to be a man, woman, boy, or girl one day that's going to start reading the Bible and, and believe it, and we're all going to be ashamed when that happens. These promises that are made are made to you as the people of God. The scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe it, say amen. That's a promise. I know it to be true because God once convicted my heart of my sin. I called upon him for salvation and he changed me on the inside and he's made a difference on the outside. The Bible says that God is my Jehovah Jireh, that he shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. If you believe it, say amen. That's a promise to the child of God. I trust him to provide for me daily. And he does that each and every day. Uh, the, the Bible says that he shall never leave me nor forsake me. If you believe it, say amen. You're not always going to feel like it. Don't let your feelings fool you. You trust in the word of God. Trust in the truth and believe what God says. That he will never leave you. You're going to go through tough times. Tough times don't last Tough people do. Let, let me tell you what makes you tough, child of God. The Spirit of God dwelling in you and in me. Let me tell you what brings you through. My ever-present help in the time of need, that's who brings me through. 
Let me tell you what helps me overcome. The strong tower that I run to. He's my fortress. He's my strong tower. Let me tell you what brings me through. Listen, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's who brings me through. In those tough times in life. With the power of God, you are able to conquer the cares of this life. We are more than conquerors. Everybody take your Bible. I've got to read this to you. Keep your place there in the book of Joshua. Let's go over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So Paul asked the question, who can condemn one of God's children? Nobody. See, man can't condemn whom God has justified. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are now no longer under condemnation, but you have been justified. You have been made right. In the eyes of God. You're in right standing with the Lord. And now because you've placed your trust in Jesus. Listen. God no longer sees you as you're in your sin. God sees you as a redeemed child of God. Washed in the blood. So that's a great question. Who is it that condemns us? Nobody can. It's God that justifies. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul gives a whole list of things that can rock our world. Famine, nakedness, peril, sword, condemnation. Condemnation may be the worst. A lot of you are go, maybe going through that right now. People bring condemnation your way. People, people try to make you feel less than. People try to make you feel like you can't. Listen, God says you can. People try to make you feel like a failure. God says you're forgiven. People try to make you feel like you're not going to make it. When God says... You're more than a conqueror. All these things, that he, all these terrible things, God says, you're more than a conqueror because he loves you through him that loves you. God's power is ever with his people. I'm hoping and praying that everybody in here has a fantastic 2020. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for this church. But odds are we're going to go through some tough times. We live in a fallen world and a fallen creation marred by sin. And because of that, there's going to be problems in your life. There's going to be problems in my life. But I'm so thankful my God is bigger than any problem I'm going to face. And my God's bigger than any problem you're going to face. My God's bigger than any addiction. My God's bigger than any temptation. My God's bigger 
then anything in this world and through him I can overcome and you can too. He's promised victory. Claim the promise. <laughs> Claim the promise. Rest in him. Rely upon him. Joshua. Verse number seven. How do we do it? How do we claim the promise? How do we rely upon him and rest in him? Well, he tells us in verse number seven, he says, only be thou very uh, strong and very courageous. You need strength. You need courage. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. So he says, if we're going to claim Canaan, he tells them how to do it and he tells us how to do it. He says, first of all, you're going to have to be courageous. What does that mean? That means you're going to have to start standing for what's right even when it's not popular. You're going to stand for what's right in your home even when it's not popular. You're going to stand for what's right in your church even when it's not popular. You're going to stand for what's right at your workplace even when it's not popular. You're going to have to be courageous enough to stand for Jesus. I love the old hymn song, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. Stand up for Jesus. Be courageous enough in this day to say truth is still truth. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. I'm going to tell you that's not always going to be popular. Matter of fact, most of the time it's not going to be popular. And you're going to need courage because a lot of people are going to get mad at you when you do stand for truth. But you've got to be courageous, trusting in the Lord. Hey, you're going to have to be strong. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you, the cares of this life will make you weak if you ain't careful. You put your eyes upon your situation, you put your eyes upon your circumstance and take them off Jesus who is our strength, and we will fail. We need strength. We need courage. But let me tell you something else. He also says right here, observe to do all that is in the law. Isn't that what he tells us? Observe to do according to all the law. That means he says you take God's word and walk in obedience. How do you claim Canaan? How do you walk in victory? Well, you be courageous enough to stand. You rely on Jesus for your strength. And you be obedient to what he's told you to do. Let me tell you something. This is just some very practical things. I want you to know this. Coming to church don't save you, but if you are saved, you need to be faithful to coming to church. Come on now. It's amazing to me. Some of you wouldn't be late for work if you had cut your big toe off and it was spurting blood out the end of it. But you can miss church and it not bother you. Something's wrong there. I'll say, well, brother, that's why I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. There are going to be times when you can't be here. That's why Jesus said uh, that, that uh, Sabbath was made for the man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. There's going to be times when your ox is in a ditch. I understand that. I get that full well. But what I'm telling you is don't pull your ox in a ditch to give yourself an excuse to do what you know ain't right. Be faithful to the things of God. 
listen, we have church on Sunday morning. I'm glad you're here. We also have church on Sunday night. Come back and be with us. You're going to miss out on something if you don't. God's got something for you right here. Make that a priority in your life. We got church Wednesday night. Come back and be with us. We're getting in the Word of God. Bring your kids because we got some Bible study for them too. Start standing for the Lord in this new year. Church cannot save you, but if you are saved, you need to be in church. Listen, church ought to be more than a habit for you, but it's a good habit to get in. Get faithful. Observe to do what God says. God says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Listen, let me tell you something else. You need to pray. Let me tell you something. We had a prayer service here at the church yesterday, and God rocked my world. Is amazing. I'm reminded of what Charles Spurgeon once said about the London Tabernacle that he was pastor of. The, the, the church was growing in leaps and bounds. People were getting saved by the thousands. Newspapers from all over the world were coming to interview Charles Spurgeon about what God was doing in his church. One newspaper man came and met with him early one Saturday morning and he said, uh, uh, Dr. Spurgeon, what, what's going on here? How is all of this happening? What, what's your secret? And he said, you want to know the secret to our success here at the church? You want, to, you want to know why God's working like he's working? They said, yes, we do. And so he took them down to the basement, down beside the boiler room, and opened up a door. And inside that door, there were about 500 people on their face on a Saturday morning praying that God would continue to do the work that only God can do. Like I've told you before, we have not because we ask not. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. What do you want, mamas? Ask and you shall receive. What do you need, daddies? Ask and you shall receive. What do you need, husbands? Ask and you shall receive. What do you need for your family? What do you need for your workplace? What do you need for your church? Ask. Trust God. Be people of prayer. Observe to be obedient to what God has said. Get real with this thing. Quit playing games. Courage, strength, obedience. Claim Canaan. Walk in victory. Quit struggling with the same old stuff over and over again. God's bigger than that. Amen? Make 2020 the year as you start standing up for Jesus and putting Him as first priority in your life. That's all I know to tell you. tell you this, we can have it if we want it. We can walk in victory. We can overcome that which comes against us. And we do it by possessing the victory that's already been purchased for us. Jesus gained the victory so that we, as his people, might walk in it daily might make a difference in this lost and dying world. Everybody stand together this morning. This is your invitation. Some of you are here today and you don't have victory because you don't have the Lord. You don't know Him. Victory is in Jesus. He is the captain of our salvation. You can never have victory in the battles you face without the captain. Do you know him?
Do you, do you really know him? I cannot think of a better time to trust in Jesus than right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Quit eating those cheese and crackers, Christian. And start walking in the fullness that's already been purchased for you. If you need the Lord today in any way, if you need to be saved, you come. As a child of God, you just need to come talk some things over the Lord. The altar is a fantastic place to do it. Don't wait. Be submissive to the will of God. Be obedient to what God's told you to do. Won't you come?